This is Design Safe Radio, where natural hazards researchers strive to make our society more resilient to everything nature throws at us. What's something that everyone should know about engineering education? You talked about that a little bit, but let's be more more explicit about it. And especially, are there any misconceptions? Like, I know uh, in some of the circles that I run in, there's a lot of loud voices saying, eh, don't go to college, engineering education, you know, it's, it's kind of useless <laughs> unless you know exactly what you want to do. And that's great if you want to be a PhD or something. But we know there are a lot more valuable things about an engineering education, even if you don't end up doing engineering later. Like, oh, yeah. I don't do any engineering these days, but I'm very thankful I've got a degree in mechanical engineering. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. So one of the things that I think is the biggest misconception is the fact that like going to college is for everyone. I would agree that it's not for everyone. Um, and so I think people need to understand, like you will come away from an engineering degree with skills that are very transferable that can allow you to do anything. Um, and that's our goal is that like people come away with the ability to solve problems. But for us, it's, you know, engineers solve problems for people. Like that's the main thing that we want our students to walk away with. And so what skills do you need to be able to think about individuals, their needs, and be able to design things to help solve these great, enormous problems that we have um, in our world. And so to do that, we need a diverse workforce. Mm -hmm. And the way that we've gone about introducing engineering concepts to students these days hasn't really produced that, right? Like we are pretty far behind um, in terms of like just production of engineers uh, for the jobs and the needs that we have in this country. And so how do we make a more diverse workforce? How do we figure out how to include more people um, and give access to people at different levels that's our job as engineering educators to try to figure out. Yeah. Um, and that might look like you going to a brick and mortar institution and getting that engineering degree, but it might look totally different for some other people. So, you know, there's been the exploration of um, like massive online programs that you can pursue. Uh, there's credentialing that you could get through different like online certificate programs. Um, so yeah, people are pursuing different pathways to engineering. I do still think there's a lot of value in a, in a college degree, but it depends on you as the individual what that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not, most of us, we're not, <laughs> we're not just, you know, solely touting, like come to the university so that we can take all of your money. Like, no, we want people to learn and grow and, you know, have that human element that I think is missing from the online experience because mm -hmm. engineers, we don't work in silos like people think we do. Like we work on really diverse teams. So I might be a civil engineer on a project, but there's probably an electrical engineer. There's probably a mechanical engineer. There's likely someone in like project management and planning. There's somebody who's good with the numbers and the financial side of things. If I make a product, there's an entire group of people focused on advertising and describing and selling that product. Mm -hmm. um, and and people all of building them, it and supplying the right. 
tooling and they for be it. Able to communicate with each other and have a level of competency in the space. And if you don't ever interact with other people, it's really hard to understand how to do that well, those transferable skills that I'm mentioning. So mm-hmm. yeah, I I think that's the misconception is that you know people don't realize it's more than just take some classes and get a piece of paper. It's navigating those relationships and yeah. the communication skills and the professional skills that you need to be successful as well. Especially at a large university. Um, I mean, had I had like, again, anecdotally here, had I gone and gotten a mechanical engineering degree online, still would have gotten the same degree, may have ended up working at the same place that I did, but never would have been able to get into the marching band at University of Illinois, wouldn't have met mm-hmm. my wife, had our amazing three kids, all that thing. Like, yeah. wouldn't have met people from all over the world who yep. we still keep in touch with and have helped shape that diversity of that experience that you're talking about to be able mm-hmm. to relate to you know, the guy from the Northeast who's been a welder for 50 years and also the lady from Japan who's, you know, working on automotive engineering and everybody in between. As someone with a PhD, like at the graduate student level, you meet so many people from across the world. And a lot of people go back to the countries that they originally came from or to new places. And your network grows far beyond the reaches of like, our country um, and the work that we do. And engineering does that as well, right? Like we are not just designing things that only impact us here or locally. Like anything that we build has global implications because of supply chain, because of the environment. Mm -hmm. There's so much that I think we underestimate about what we do as engineers and the impacts that it has on, on other people's lives. Um, and the more that we get to interact with other people, the more compassionate we are, the more um, re- empathetic we are, the better we can relate to one another. And I think it helps us ultimately in the end design a better world. Yeah. I'll put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so um, getting into talking about the, the facility that you're currently at down at, at UF down in Gainesville. So part of that Neary facility, I mean, we've, you've talked about it a, a bit, just this massive wind tunnel, this world-class facility. How do you incorporate things like the boundary layer wind tunnel into curricula for engineers? Like, we'd just love to hear some stories about that. Yeah. So first of all, I have to thank Forrest Masters and Jennifer Bridge and Kurt Gurley um, Brian Phillips, all of them for being willing to bring me on to this project. Um, it was just an email out of out of nowhere for me, seemingly, <laughs> but apparently they've been talking about it for a while. Um, and it was really just how do you how do you come up with something that will introduce people to what we do in the facility, but in a meaningful way. And we've done a lot of outreach through that facility already um, but nothing that was really being measured and Mm. it was kind of like oh you can come and see the facility and then the other things that are like expected of a NERI grant which is like introduce potential users right to the facility and help them think about how they could incorporate it into their research Um, so I was like, what about designing something for some high school kids? Like, how do we 
how do we do that meaningfully? And they said, oh, whatever you want to do, figure it out. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we, we decided we were going to help create like this teacher professional development experience in the summer where we would select um, up to 10 teachers to come and learn about the engineering design process, about inquiry, about uh, like learner center teaching, mm. um, and even talking about things that are traditionally not really talked about, like teamwork, science communication, presentation skills, um, and have them go through kind of that curriculum to help them integrate a project-based learning activity into their classroom through the academic year. Cool. And we left it kind of open to them to decide what project they would integrate into their classes because um, engineering isn't a class at a lot of high schools in the state. So um, we focused our efforts on Title I schools as well. So these are the mm, under-resourced yeah. schools that don't really have access to um, a lot of facilities and individuals who have the skill set in engineering. So we're trying to kind of upskill them in that space. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Design Safe Radio. This show is sponsored by the National Science Foundation, grant number 2129782. You can subscribe to Design Safe Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please leave us a review so that we can improve the show and also help others find our episodes in iTunes. Thanks for your feedback and support. We really appreciate it. You can find out more about NARI at designsafe-ci.org, on Facebook at Design Safe Radio, or on Twitter at NARI Design Safe. <laughs>